Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton is fine. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. And connecting with me now, live via Zoom, my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. The COVID got me. <laughs> Justin, I've been struck down by the COVID. I'm fine. No whole family's fine. Uh, vaxxed and boosted, so symptoms are minimal. And uh, I'm just going to be stuck in the house a little bit. Nothing better to do, but uh, still not watch the Cavs. Just kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> very excited uh, to uh, to talk about this team who looked pretty darn good, even though they, uh, they took an L to uh, Memphis last night. Yeah, a little bit of a disappointing loss against the Grizzlies. Uh, a fun game. Both teams missing a lot of uh, kind of key rotation players, but featuring the big threes of both teams. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, a couple of tough calls down the stretch. A couple of tough mistakes down the stretch. But we're not here to talk about that because it is officially a new year. 2022 is upon us. I'm still getting used to saying that. And what better time to do a crossover podcast with the boys from Locked On Cavs to talk about some of the macro topics going on with the Cavs right now. Joining us first, Evan Damerall. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Yeah, it's it's weird to think that 2022 is finally here. This is the last year of my 20s, so I'm just feeling old. Uh, I took an <laughs> L last night, too. I'll just admit at the top, uh, congrats to Carter and Chris's Bobcats. They knocked my zips out pretty nicely. And the, I know oh. these aren't real sports to Justin whatsoever, but I just you don't want to get it out of the way now because for those who watch Locked on Cavs, Chris really went out of his way to put on his Bobcats apparel and – just looked way too you're proud at, of himself. You're absolutely right that I did. You deserved every effort. All the times you have hurt me, broken my brain, you deserved every single second of it. <laughs> and Hurts that is strong. a very happy Chris Manning. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Carter, uh, on Carter's OnlyFans later, we'll be talking about Jason Carter's uh, finish <laughs> to last night's game. So subscribe. We'll be talking about that. You can't afford me, guys. <laughs> Carter's just putting out content, even with the COVID. You love to see it. This man is battling through it. But we got a, a really interesting topic. A friend of the podcast, Joe Atchie, uh, pitched this to us in our Discord. Um, but it's a little bit of an all-star debate because we are approaching all-star season. And Zach Lowe ha had an interesting podcast where he was kind of discussing uh, some of his picks uh, for all-stars this year. And I thought we could start off by ranking the all-star worthiness of the Cavs. Uh, the, the Cavs have three guys that I, I think deserve to be in the conversation and, and deserve votes uh, to be all-stars in Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley. But I, I thought it would be interesting to kind of rank where we think uh, the, uh, where they should be prioritized or uh, how we feel uh, when it comes to who should be all-stars with this Cavs team. And Chris, we'll start off with you. Do, do you think that the kind of who gets to be an all-star out of the out of Mobley, Allen and Garland, um, do you think that should be related to impact towards the team or kind of what what are you grading this on? 
I think it's a good question. I think I think one of the things that I've thought about this, and I, I think the, the low pot you mentioned, I think a lot of other breakdowns have hit this hard, is guards in the East is really, really tough. Because, like, yeah. Drew Holiday is, I, I think, like, perhaps we're going to read in this conversation. Like, you have... Like James Harden is probably going to win like the fan vote part of this, and like he's James Harden, he's probably going to get in. Like, yeah. you know, for eventually having a good year. Darius, I think, is very, very deserving, and I think if I was going to rank them, I think just in terms of the the, the amount of work he's had to do for this team, I think he might be one for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think he might be one, but the the guards just going to be more competitive than front court. Um, so like I almost think that my order would be Garland, Allen, Mobley, but I think yeah. my likelihood would probably be be Allen Garland Mobley in that order. And Jared Allen, I think, is, like, extremely deserving. He's been incredible this year, like, has legitimately gotten better mm-hmm. and is, like, just an absurdly efficient basketball player. And he's just going to have an easier path, I think. Just, the, like, like Embiid's a lock, Durant's a lock, Giannis is a lock. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, off the top of my head, like, what other frontcourt players? Like, Bam's hurt, Clint Capella hasn't been as good this year and was dealing with no, some stuff no, like clint no. capella hasn't been as good as jared allen and Ju- unfortunately Ju- no way yeah and julius he- randall has fallen off a cliff from it all being an all nba guy last year like the, the path for jared and if you want to sneak evan in you know maybe oh, some, like thanks. things are great not you you, you know <laughs> shut up you've third three pods in a row i've done with you we're talking about turning 30 just let it go you're old it's fine like <laughs> i think Mo- like mobley has a case too i think like you could argue in some ways like he's been more important than allen to some degree in some facets of the team at least but I think it's Allen for me. I, I, I think I'm mostly on the same page. I, it's so funny that we're having this conversation. Like the, the fact that we have three all-star worthy guys, like if you would have told me that at the start of the season and you would have you, you added, I would have said, damn right. We do. Yeah. I would have said, damn right. You do. <laughs> But anyone else would have been pretty surprised, especially if you add in the the fact that Colin Sexton went out because he put up all star caliber numbers. So you would assume that, hey, if the the Cavs are actually winning the season and he was once again averaging like 24 and four, he'd probably get a lot of consideration just uh, due to the the production that he had. Evan, where are you at when it comes to kind of ranking the impact so far of these three? See, it's really tough. I think Chris and I have a similar mindset when it comes to a lot of this, too. It's just a really muddled path at the guard position. And like Jared does have a pretty clear path. Like Chris was talking about guys who might even be in consideration. If you just want to talk about centers in general, it's just probably Embiid than Allen at that point. Mm-hmm. If Boston fans really want to get tactical about it, maybe they can make a case for Robert Williams. But like that's a long shot in itself. And then in terms of just like forwards and just in that spot, you have Giannis, you have Durant, you have maybe Sabonis too. There's also Jason Tatum as well. Maybe if you Jalen Brown technically qualifies as a guard, so it's tough too. But like it, it's oh, the I, fact I, I thought he was just... listed as a, a forward. Does it matter? Like when... well, DeRozan could be part of this too. It's like if DeRozan. Yeah. And counts that's, as a guard, that takes up another spot as a guard theoretically. Even though he's like really a forward and he's a mm-hmm. for, front court player now, like he theoretically could count as a guard, and that takes up another spot that in, until you get down to like the wild card part of it could kind of keep Darius out. And yeah. that that's where it gets tough for me because that's where the pathing becomes even more muddled for Darius. Is there's only 12 players per conference, and then they do the draft, but it's guards and forwards, I believe. I think there might be centers as well off the top of my head, but for Darius, you have to deal with players like Trey Young, like LaMelo Ball, who I think should be in consideration as well, Drew Holiday. Um, and then there's other players like even James Harden, and there's DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. Can I, can I actually ask? As well. I want to ask up? this because, like, a guy like LaMelo is like kind of the, the one of the one of the Darius stoppers, you know? 
In yeah. a way, I almost feel like Darius gets penalized a little bit because he plays with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And people are like, well, we're going to give Jared a spot because the front court is a little more available and, and he gets that spot. And, you know, it, it, I think it's a little harder for, 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 you know, these, you know, prospective voters to kind of put two calves on and then not recognize what Lamelo has been doing with Charlotte, which has been amazing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I must wonder in a world where, Jarrett doesn't seem like such a shoe in to be selected. Darius's case feels a lot louder. I think that's that's a fair argument too. Um, I definitely have to really put that into consideration as well. But just like I agree with Chris, where I think Jarrett just has a clearer path. Um, I'm always of the mentality though that I think the NBA should make a conditional rule where the team that's hosting should have a representative at the All Star game. So if you had to pick between Jarrett and Darius, maybe like Chris said, Darius is a louder case just because. I have gone on the record a few times saying Darius is the most important player for the Cavs because it became crystal clear when he was out due to health and safety protocols and Rubio was out there. Like there was a little bit less of a punch. And mm-hmm. then when Rubio went down and no disrespect to Kevin Pangos or RJ Nemhard or the guys who were just trying their best to couple minutes together to the point position, but it became crystal clear how badly this Cavs team needed Darius out there. And then you watch them against Memphis. Yeah, it was a disappointing loss, but I think if Darius wasn't just coming out of being a sideline for 10 days and locked up in his house for 10 days, that game could have gone a lot differently if he had that momentum he was carrying before he went down to the health. Man's had protocols no too. legs left. Yeah, I, I, and that's what I, I was assuming watching that game. Like, even towards the end of the first half, I'm like, I wonder, like, because he had so much burst to start off the game. He, he's doing everything. And then, like, the, just even from a conditioning standpoint, even if he wasn't dealing with some after effects, which uh, you, you did uh, tweet out uh, after the game, Evan, that, yeah, D- Darius talked about, hey, my, my legs are tired. I, I'm still trying to get my win back and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's certainly I, understandable. Carter, your, your point's actually an interesting one because my gut, re- like my initial reaction was, no, I, I don't think that makes a big difference. But I, I really do think, even though Allen does have the easier path, like if Allen's presence wasn't there, they would find a way to reward someone from Cleveland, right? And, and the, the obvious choice would be Darius, right? And, so, and when you get two representatives of the All-Star game, you're really having a hell of a season. Like that, yeah. th- that's not done lightly. And you can actually see it happening with Boston where Jalen Brown's having a pretty freaking good season statistically. And everyone's like, no. Celtics are bummers. We're not doing two two all stars for the Celtics. We don't even need even, to give them one. Screw them, right? <laughs> absolutely, couldn't agree more. But you get my point. Like there is a there is a degree of like when you go up to two or even three all stars for a team, that's saying something about like what you believe that team is doing. There mm-hmm. there is a lot more team success that's wrapped into a team that gets multiple all stars. So I get the idea, especially as the Cavs have through very little fault of their own, falling down the standings from, you know, a stone's throw away from first all the way to five and a half games back of first. Yeah. Uh, and in the sixth seed, all of a sudden, like that you go, eh, well, you know, maybe if they like were still on fire, you would say they get two or two, two guys. But like, it's just really easy to settle in at one. And it's really easy to settle in at Jared Allen because you mm-hmm. don't have to leave a LaMelo ball off or a Bradley Beal off. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, you had alluded to, uh, Evan Mobley potentially having a, a case over Jared Allen. What if you were playing devil's advocate and you had to make that case? What what would it be? Well, actually, one one time I just wanted to do this this comp real quick because I hadn't thought about Lamelo versus Darius quickly. They're pretty much even statistically. Darius is much more efficient as a scorer, and dare I say, has been better as a defender. I'm just, just yeah. Dare you I'm, say Darius? Darius has probably been a like he's been a plus defender. Like I, the, I wouldn't say like good. 
but I, like plus might even be like pushing it but like he's been way better in defense on, on the the scale of point guards i think if you were grading on a curve with point guards around the league i'd say he's probably on the positive half he, he, he let's just say he's no longer like dying every time he gets screened yeah. and like just like which he, is important he, like yeah, i, like, I no, actually it's, like it's the like, fact that he was guarding yeah. jaw uh a oh, fair i did too i did too i quite like that but i i think the thing with mobley is that like, I mean, for sure, he's obviously going to be a rising star, and he'll be, like, the focal point of that game because it's going to be in Cleveland. Like, it, he's going to be the focal point of that night. Um, I think you could just, like, really argue that he's been kind of the linchpin of the defense because, like, yes, Jared Allen's the rim protector. Yes, Jared Allen is sort of, like, the back on the defense, but Mobley is, like, the piece that J.B. Baker said was putting everywhere else. And I don't think statistically it is, like, an argument because he's just not, until this last little stretch, he has not been – that efficient on offense really but defensively i think he's been like an all defensive caliber player this year and alan probably has been too but i think there's like a case there i was just think we should have 50 men all-star rosters yeah. no <laughs> like, I, I actually i went i used to think at least 13 but like do you really want an all-star to get four minutes <laughs> like I, yeah, you, I know, yeah these guys I, all actually, gotta get yeah. run man no, no i don't want them to get run because and if you're a team less like your guy just gets a oh, fluke injury don't do this don't do that i've got i've got a better one for you chris i i, I think the way that what they should do really is you have the the five starters but after that it's all wild cards like let's just go with whoever's okay. the most deserving because yeah. we really are at a positionalist basketball kind of uh era for the nba now bigs are doing guard stuff and whatnot and like as long as if especially because uh all-star appearances will dictate contracts and incentives and things like that i think which 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 probably shouldn't be the case to begin with but if you are going to have that uh be the situation i i think you have the fans kind of factor in for the starting five of who they want to see but after that it's the most deserving because i i think if that was the the layout of this darius feels like a lock to me because you look at what he's done this season and i just think he's the hardest to replace uh when, when it comes to the Cavs. and part of that is a yeah, result no of who uh who they've lost right like lo- losing sexton uh drain some offensive punch now losing ricky rubio uh they're going to have to rely on garland even more once again uh but you look up and down the lineup and he's really just elevated everybody he's played with like you look at the the two-man pairings up and down the roster there are only two players he's played with this season that he has a negative net rating uh, with one's taco fall and one's Colin Sexton and the, the Sexton minutes were basically because Sexton just wasn't hitting shots to start the season. And uh, it was just kind of a, a weird start and whatnot, but every single person he's played with, it's been a net positive. And I, I just don't think that they've had anyone to do what he does. And and I really feel like he's the biggest driver of uh, the success this season, which, which is really, really exciting. Darius is going to be put in a cold tub at the end of this year. He's going to be like just in like a re, like a cryo chamber, a back to tank or something, just to like get his body healed because he's going to ah, need it. Ah. Gonna need he's it. getting worked hard. There's no way around it. I will say this: like you know, I do wonder if we're like artificially propping Darius up a little bit just because of the lack of what's behind him at this point. And we've now seen a post Rubio Sexton. Uh, in no Garland world, and it's not one we've loved. But, and but like, still, that's, we, that's we, one we, game. We, that's one game we've yeah. seen, right? Like we we are. But I'm saying, even like we just went through a stretch without Darius at all. So True. it's like, so like you know, this is like you know, um, you know, we're, we're we're especially appreciative of Darius right now. With that said, though, he is the thing that unlocks this team's offense. Mm-hmm. And while their offense is not what they win on, he keeps the he keeps it functional. 
Yeah, I, like, which is I, that's not exactly the sexiest all-star tagline that you're going to find. Like both Mobley and Allen both have their own unique kind of uh, things that um, that maybe are a little flashier. But like Darius has been the straw that stirs the drink for this team all season. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I, and I'm, I, just I, think, I'm just thinking of the all-star intros now, and they're introducing Darius. He's like, <laughs> he makes the offense functional. Point for the Cavaliers, Darius Garland. <laughs> You're darn right he does. He he lets them know that there's it's functional. Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting conversation, though, because we also have, uh, unfortunately, but helpful for this conversation, we've had stretches where Allen was out, where Mobley was out, where Garland was out. And even with Ricky Rubio, uh, you really felt the, the absence of Garland. Like there, there were so many points where um, like it, it, a lot of what made Ricky so great was, yeah, he, he wasn't finishing well, but he allowed Garland to play off ball and that helped give those lineups enough juice. So I, I really do think if it came down to just one wild card spot was open for whatever reason, Jared Allen wasn't selected for, to one of the forward positions uh, with the reserves. I, I think if it came down to one, I would pick Garland. Uh, I think both deserve it. I, I, I would rather cut someone that's uh, in, in the play-in or outside of the play-in even um, as difficult as it is. But there, there's so many worthy players this year, and this isn't always the case, but there's so many worthy players in the Eastern Conference that I really do think winning needs to factor in. Uh, can, I ask, you, can I ask a controversial question about no, the bigs? Potentially. Sure. Why is Jared Allen for sure the pick over Evan Mobley? That's, that's what I said. That's not controversial. That's not controversial. I don't think that's a controversial question. I think, it, I think so every, I think single, question every single place I've seen has Allen okay, in. But here, here's why I think why it is. Because, number one, he's been just so insanely efficient on offense. Like, Carter, at one point this year, he was, like, the only player in NBA history. I don't know if this is still the case now. That was averaging 10 shots a game and shooting over 70% from the field. That's, like, <laughs> abs- that's absurd. That's absurd. That's um, very good. He's been... I think just incredible as a rim protector incredible, just again, incredibly efficient on offense. And look, he's added the passing element to his game. That like was something that when they, then they got him, they made a point to say, Hey, we want him to be able to do this. Um, he's at the low, po- like the fact that he has like post moves now is like God, a massive his post game. Is developed. It, it's, it's just like last year, if you threw him the ball, it was like, okay, like, I guess we're going to like get a, a hook shot. And like, do you remember now- that early game against Utah where Rudy Gobert was just taking his lunch money on every yeah, single post? Yeah, yeah. It was like, it's like, yeah, it was like, why are we like, what are we doing here now? It's like, oh, like if Jared on gets the ball in the post and it's not like one of the, the, the leagues, like elite defensive centers, he can handle this and he still can hit that little 16 foot jump shot. I think it's just because he's this guy who is like a little more seasoned in the league. You, you kind of wait to give a guy his flower, so to speak, unless it, you know, and, and, and then you get to Jared Allen and it's like, okay, he, this, he's put in the time. He's been really good for a while. He's having the season that is the high, the best he's ever played. I think full stop. And he's mm-hmm. been massive and yeah. part of the team. I think that's where you get here. It's like a, it's like partially, I think a narrative thing as much as it is like a deserving thing for v, him vis-a-vis Evan Mobley. Yeah. Uh, Evan, what do you think? No, I think Chris is right. I think it's just Jared Allen is a bit more of a known commodity too. I think he's really grinded and get to this point. And let's be frank, like Ed Davis mentioned this when he first joined the team, like he told Jared Allen, he wasn't at this point that he's at now. Then he kind of pushed him to get to this point. I mean, 
if we could be selfish, I would ideally want all three of these guys in the all-star game. But if there had to be a cutoff point, if there's maybe a big, or because it gets muddled because of the forward conversation too. And Justin, I really liked your save. And you said teams in the play in spot, because that is Charlotte, Boston and Toronto and Toronto fans are ravenous about Fred Van Vliet lately. So I like, you just like your save what aren't there. aren't they ravenous about? <laughs> That's if, if I had to guess, I think now that Toronto's healthy, they're going to shoot up the standings. Like I, I yeah. think they'll, they'll be a succeed by by the at least by by the time that voting comes I, in. And I uh, think it's going to be a dogfight between them and Cleveland for the rest of the season for that five six spot. Maybe mm-hmm. Philly as well. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think the reason why I'd go Allen over Mobley, like if I have to make the argument, is one like. Uh, there is a difference in scoring. It, it's impressive that Mobley is almost up to 15 points per game. Uh, that That's nuts. I, I wasn't expecting all that <laughs> this season. Uh, and, of course, lately there's more 20-point performances. But Allen's just been more consistent, and I think him being, like, one of the best rim protectors in the league now, uh, the the scoring output, he he's providing um, more just box score stats, like more points, more rebounds, more assists. Um, and he also enables Mobley to kind of roam defensively, to to mm-hmm kind of be that Swiss army knife. And I, I completely agree with you, Evan. Like, I, I think all three are very deserving. It's just kind of a testament to how stacked the Eastern Conference got. Like, more talent came East again this year. And this is really the the first year where I don't think there's any question that the better conference is the Eastern Conference. Like, I, I think yeah. if this was the West, the Cavs would probably have a better record. Like, if they were aligned to the West, they'd probably have a better record and um, might have a, a better chance at landing two-plus all-stars but that that's just not the case and again i i do think if they if things didn't break the way they did if they didn't get so wrecked by covid and by injury all at the same time i did see espn had a had an article where basically they said that the Cavs were the most have been the most affected by covid yeah. this season which is crazy because i saw that game against toronto um but <laughs> yeah see toronto uh, packed it all into one game yeah. and, and and the fans are still convinced that like the the protocols were to persecute that team <laughs> the, yes. the, Cavs, the Cavs now have like this had like the slow covid drip where it's just like yeah, okay yeah. like you know you lose kevin and lowry for a little bit and then you lose jared and evan and Isaac, yeah. and then oh, you get Evan back. Guess what? Well, no, Darius is going away. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Sucks so, for you. so, so totally, so like totally out of their control. And I, I understand that, but I do think if they were hanging out around the two or the three seed, I think they would have gotten two in. I just, I just don't think they're going to be able to make up that gap. Yeah. Given the way that the the schedule kind of broke, not in yeah. their favor. And by the way, they're still six and four in their last 10, which is crazy. Yeah. Like it feels <laughs> yeah, like it's so been kind of a dark stretch and they're six and four in their last 10. They just haven't won pretty is the problem. So you don't really focus on the fact that they're six and fours. There are some ugly losses like the New Orleans one is really a gut punch when they lost. The Atlanta Rio. one sucked. The Atlanta mm-hmm. one was just tough. The Grizzlies one was frustrating, but still an entertaining game. Entertaining. Um, it just sucked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. But like, then you look back, like they 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 beat the bricks off Milwaukee. Granted, a pretty banged up Buck squad because Giannis was out. But then they they, they t- this Cavs team has consistently beaten bad teams or teams that they they don't perform down to the talent level of certain teams. Like that Raptors game, like Cavs of years past, they would have probably played down to that Raptors squad. No, yeah. the Cavs went and took care of business from wire to wire, and it just wasn't you would have close. Chris Kamen sprawled out on the bench. In that yeah. game in the past, right? Like they, hey. uh, we ha- we have enough examples to pull from, and I, I think that's a really smart point, Evan. Like the the fact that we were getting so accustomed, like the 
average margin of victory was 20 points for a while there, right? Like, um, and the fact that there has been so many close games and uh, some of it's like a credit to the defense, right? Like when you have guys out, uh, when Jetty Osmond's out, when Isaac Okoro is now out, like there, there's so many important pieces missing. You kind of have to grind it out and try to steal it at the end. So uh, I, I think one thing that's encouraging, if you're looking at kind of the road ahead, there's still 16 and seven with, Garland, Allen, and Mobley all playing in the lineup. Uh, they've got some easier games coming up. Uh, West Coast trip, never the easiest, but Portland without Dame, uh, Golden State and Clay's return, and the Sacramento Kings. Have you guys noticed this? We only play the Sacramento Kings on the third game in four nights. Th- this was the case last year. It was the case earlier in the season. Once again, third game in four nights. I don't know what that is, but I- I'm getting suspicious. Conspiracy Justin out here. I, it's it's frustrating, man. Because and and they all what a go the same specific thing to notice, <sighs> man. Yeah, I, I, my my brain <laughs> Just... works in mysterious ways, and that is one thing that bothers me. For, with, with our luck, it's going to be Ben Simmons' first game of the year. Uh, he'll be playing oh, for wow. Sacramento. Okay, <laughs> wow. wow, we're here. She's coming swinging. <laughs> if you if we pan Justin's camera, just it's like the the scene from Always Sunny. Sunny. Yep. Yeah, just the yep. mm-hmm. he's Guys, Pepe Sylvain back there. I, I got a... boxes full of Pepe here, man. <laughs> 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 Anyways. I, the next thing I, I want to talk about, though, is kind of the, the approaching trade deadline, because we're about a month away from it. And I think the Cavs have some really interesting options and, and questions that they need to answer, um, trying to supplement the, the talent uh, of the young core, uh, address some of the needs that have been created by guys going down and whatnot. And I, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Whoever wants to chime in first, let's have a free for all here. Uh, bore that on the always floor. goes well. Yeah, bore, bore <laughs> on the floor, fight for your sausages. Um, no, Evan hasn't watched Succession, so he doesn't quite understand what that means. <laughs> Evan knows. Evan knows how to jump into a conversation in the middle yeah. of it. Don't you worry. Him and Carter. <laughs> Him and Carter are experts at conversation double Dutch. King interrupters. If there is a gap between syllables, one of those two will jump in. So I have confidence here. Uh, But how would you want to see the Cavs kind of go about supplementing their core as this deadline approaches? I will jump in first. There you go. And and maintain the brand. Um, (laughs) I think there's a few things they can do. Like there's a couple roads to, to a successful trade deadline. Uh, but I think the the out end outcome needs to be probably another ball handler slash on ball creator. Um, doesn't have to be a point guard, but it has to be someone who can you know get a get a bucket so to speak, run a pick and roll. Um, and you know I think there's a they have a lot of options. They have some smaller non guaranteed deals that they can certainly kind of cobble together and get to a number. Uh, literally just used one of them in Denzel Valentine to kind of solve their backup point guard pro- problem in in Rajon Rondo. Uh, they had. I expect them to get try to get an injured player exception uh, for Ricky Rubio, which I think should be about half his salary. I think that's yeah. the rule. You guys probably it's actually know. Eight point nine yeah. million. Yeah, eight point nine. And you have to clear yeah. roster spots to use it, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. That stands to reason. And I, I believe um, but you I, can only trade for a player with one year left on his contract as well. Uh, that's look at us. As a team, we are cbafact.com. Look, I, my, my CBA knowledge has is, there was a someone that networks range that used to help us at Fear the Sword, and my my knowledge of the cap sometimes has just slowly declined. Since, <laughs> yeah, since they, they went it, I'm getting dumber for but, sure. But, but we created Cap Voltron, so it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it, yeah, we did. I'm proud of us as a team. I think that you know that that kind of feels like a no brainer. Try to go get a, an expiring wing from a team that's not really trying to to win. Save save you know, uh, uh, an owner, an opposing owner, some, some scratch and, 
maybe open up a roster spot for them. I mean, that's that's kind of what they did with the Lakers, and they were able to pick up a guy that is probably going to play for them. And I hope that the Cavs can maybe look to do that. And then there's the elephant in the room, um, and really the elephants in the room, which are uh, two expiring contracts for players who will not be suiting up for the Cavs this season in Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio. Now, Sexton's a little different because he's a restricted free agent and the Cavs, and I I personally would like to see that relationship continue. But Rubio, he's a straight, he's straight up expiring. So it's, mm-hmm. do you, do you kind of make that, that kind of, it feels a little yucky uh, move uh, to, to trade that contract, knowing that it just, by the way, there's no big Z rule here. Uh, mm-hmm. You are allowed to re-sign Ricky this summer if you do this if you did decide to trade him yeah um but you, you would yeah. need to clear the space because you wouldn't have bird yeah. rights yeah you wouldn't have bird rights but you would be able to get him back if you if you could make you know make it work financially um it feels a little icky but also like 16 million or i'm sorry 17.8 million which is uh, the reported number uh is nothing to sneeze at and like you have to kind of consider that when you're looking to upgrade the roster. So I think that's their only road to like a big swing. But like if all they did was use an injured player exception, I'm fine with it. I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm on. The, I'm in the same boat. Um, I think the Cavs should keep their powder dry just to see how this upcoming offseason goes. Because, yeah, Ben Simmons could end up in Sacramento, but Daryl Morey could really hold on to Ben Simmons for as long as he possibly can to see if Brad Beal or Dame Lillard becomes available and if – that domino falls maybe the Cavs get creative and try to like parlay their way into it like the James Harden deal with when they got James or Jerry Allen last year or uh, yeah it, it's tough though because I've like I'm looking through the options now in terms of wing players that's like the most valuable commodity in the league and I don't see a lot of teams just willingly giving up like a rotation wing because like Royce O'Neal falls perfectly under that Ricky Rubio injured exception and I don't don't see Utah giving up Royce O'Neal. Plus, I don't think he's on the last year of his contract either. So, like, it's complicated. I'm just looking at numbers right now. Um, but other than that, it's cold. But you're absolutely right. Like, Ricky Rubio is their best trade chip. I just think you need to see how comfortable you are as an organization attaching other assets, whether that's picks or maybe some young players or maybe some uh, young players need a fresh start, all Dylan Windler, perhaps. Or maybe you try to see what you've can finesse at that a little bit, but how comfortable are you willing to get to make an upgrade to go all in? Cause I absolutely agree. The Cavs need to get a shot creator. They need to get somebody who can play on ball who doesn't play point guard, because this is something I've stressed for a while. Now, Ricky Rubio is the sixth man for this team. And when Colin Sexton went down, this team took an obvious blow and it became clear whenever the offense stalled out, whether, especially when they play Miami at times, it would get really ugly. You say like, well, this is where the Cavs could really use a guy who could go out and get a couple quick, easy buckets and open up the offense for everybody else. If the Cavs could, I mean, yeah, and those players don't grow on trees either, but if the Cavs could find a player in a similar vein to that, because Rubio kind of supplanted a little bit of that production, and then when he went down, there's an obvious void now. And and, and it ain't Rajon Rondo. We talked about yeah. that on our last pod. Is even if even yeah. the most charitable interpretation of Rondo, which I think we are on definitely, uh, Justin and I have been on the more positive end on what we think he'll be able to contribute for this team, he just isn't a volume scorer anymore. Like he no. won't do that even on, on a night where he's feeling the body is feeling good and he's being a, a helpful contributor. His just season get, high in scoring is eight yeah. points. Yeah, just imagining Rondo like doing some of the Rubio stuff that were like dribble around and probe and then like take a pull up three just like doesn't feel possible to me. Yeah, no, you know what I mean. It's just like it'll just be like if he does it, it'll be like ninety percent slower. Just like very methodically like dribbling around like like probing it out. Um, mm. 
Carter, I, I think, that's just, that's yeah. just where I'm at, though. It's like yeah. you could be really cold about this, and yes, Ricky has done a lot of good for this organization in his short time here, but he is also a trade asset too. Or you could use that contract of his on an expiring deal and make a move to go out and make an acquisition in order to kind of fill that space where the absence of Rubio and Sexton is really going to be felt. That's yeah, just where I'm at. I think Carter is exactly right in identifying ball handling as like the thing to look for, because I think that was even, even before the Rubio injury, even before the sex injury, I would even argue that was a thing you didn't have locked up beyond like, and you, again, we coming into the year, we didn't know that Darius was going to necessarily be what he is right now. Right. Like I think there was a lot of optimism among this, this foursome here about what he was going to be, but like, there was no guarantee that was going to happen. And I still think if you're looking at what this team needs, it is someone that can create their own shot, that can handle the ball, that can run a little pick and roll, that can do just a little bit of something. So Darius is not through it all. So Rubio, let's just say you don't even trade Rubio, and then you're, you're able to re-sign him. He wants to come back, and you you know maybe he doesn't. He's not going to be healthy probably at the beginning of next year. You would think mm-hmm. just based on when he tore his ACL. He's a guard on the wrong side of thirty. There's no guarantee he's going to be exactly what he was this year when you get him back. Like it, that's mm-hmm. there's a little bit of risk there, and like even with Sexton, like you know it's. I, I I thought this at the time. It's kind of even become more glaring now as the team has continued to succeed. Like his injury was just the most brutal timing for him. As yeah. the team is starting to gel, team is starting to figure stuff out. Darius is ascending. It's just like the worst possible time for him as his role is changing and his role in all this is changing. It's just a really brutal time for him to have to miss a whole freaking season. So I I would be very interested to see what kind of ball handling slash like wing help they could find and like I, the rubio question is interesting because if like you could flip him for something and maybe his camp tells you now like hey like you know he probably well, he's going to want to go to like play for a, a locked in top end contender next year to go try to compete for a title and they signal that now maybe that informs your decision making here and, and i wonder like who would be available i also was wondering if like they might have gone into different even a backup point guard for this year just to say like hey like you know, maybe do they call on like Monty Morris just because Denver's in this weird spot? And that, he, that's like, what I was going to ask you, Chris, because yeah. even listening to kind of um, on, on Locked Odd Cast, some of the, the post Rondo trade analysis, I, I I agree with you for the most part. Like, I, I don't think you can just count on Rondo to replace what Ricky was doing. And I don't think you can count on if you did bring Ricky back next year. I don't think you can count on Ricky being who Ricky oh, was. You can't. Like, you I, can't. I, 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 what I do what in, I do think it in creates, the same knee. <laughs> yeah. And he's on the and it wrong guards are the wrong side of 30. It's just, it's just harder. It's just, it's just history tells us that like it right. is right. Just, it's just it's like if he loses even a little bit of athleticism or it takes some months uh, of playing to kind of get back into form, you're going to need to supplement that uh, ball handling, the creation, kind of the, the more explosive aspects that he was providing, even if it wasn't efficient, you need to replace that in, in yeah. some way. But I, I do think, Rondo makes me comfortable enough where I don't feel like they really need to go out and maybe use some resources to bring in a backup point guard. I would almost rather bring in like kind of a combo guard or com- uh, point forward or uh, someone that can create at a different position um, because that's that's a need with or without uh, a proven backup point guard. And I, I think it just kind of alleviates some of the responsibility that you have with Rondo uh, that you'd have to give to Rondo. And like, if you can find someone that does that, I, I think that's the direction I'd want to go. Aside from like the big, big names that are out there that we would think of, let's, you know, Justin has a certain favorite, like there's mm-hmm. other ones you could, you could theoretically out there. Brandon or uh, Karis Levert's probably the one for me. If we're talking about like realistic number, Le- Levert's mine. Levert's mine as like, well. Yeah. He, I, 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 
if you want to like quibble with the fit, I think that's fair because he's never been like the, at the three point volume and the percentage that you necessarily like, that is the most optimal fit for that kind of role for Cleveland. Right. But I think you can talk yourself into it just because like Evan Mobley's, I would just kind of assume that at some point, Evan Mobley is just going to like add that to his like infinity gauntlet of skills and learn how <laughs> to shoot threes. And like, Darius is going to provide you needed spacing. He's this big wing who can create and stuff. Like I, I would, I could talk myself into that as a thing. Mm-hmm. And I would, and also just like, like that, the, like, frankly, the contract is shorter. You know what I mean? Like I, I would, if you're going to do this and you're, it's a little unclear about the fit or like the age or whatever, like his contract being just this year, and next year, maybe you have to pay him like more than he's making now on his next contract or whatever. But mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of skill set that I would be willing to just see what you could get out of it. And it's just needed. Like Darius can, there's only going to be so much. Like if the Cavs get in the playoffs, like with this roster as it is, even with Rondo, and like I'm, I my biggest thing with Rondo is just I don't know how the Garland Rondo lineups are going to. I just am skeptical that those will work the same way the Rubio Garland ones did. I'm just, I, I think they'll work worse, but I think they'll work. Yeah, that's the difference. That that's what I where I'm at. I think I think everything Ricky's Rajon's going to do is going to be uh, ten to fifteen percent worse. Maybe a little bit, even more than that, in some spots. But it, it will. The trains will stay on time. Yeah, and I, they I will think stay it's super helpful, which is it's, really what yeah. matters to me. Yeah, it's super it, helpful that Darius already had the experience learning how to play off ball alongside Ricky. Yeah, because and, well, I, even, I think even Colin before this, I, yeah. I think is it like he's. It's not something he had ever done really. And then you play with Colin, you play with Ricky. It's going to get pushed a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's. I, I think obviously. The other asset that that we didn't mention is their first round pick this year. They yeah. they also got two pretty high value second round picks with the the Houston and the San Antonio ones. And, and I'm pretty okay giving up some draft capital this year to improve this roster. Like some someone like Lavert as an example, I I think that he would even have probably more trade value than one of those draft assets come trade deadline or come after the season if they mm-hmm. showcase them. Like, I, I think that's something that the Cavs have to factor into any of these moves yeah. is if you yeah. find someone that fits well, that kind of addresses some needs, we have so much already in place. We we have two good big men. We have a great point guard. Uh, we've got depth. We, we've got Isaac Okoro. We've got all, all these guys, uh, Jetty Osman, that, that looks well. If you're bringing in somebody and you're showcasing them, that might all of a sudden become like kind of an asset play. Like it, yeah. it's not the way that I love to view these transactions, yeah. but I, I think there's a benefit on and off the court. Yeah. If you were to pull something like that off. I, I, I absolutely agree. I think just Karis makes a lot of sense. I think he is my, reverse my pick as well. Just if the Cavs had to go out and get anybody, I think he's pretty available from what I've gathered. Like he doesn't get along with Carlisle. He doesn't really gel with what the Pacers are trying, trying to do. The Pacers are trying to retool, not completely rebuild. So who knows what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you also mentioned could, Buddy uh, in your yeah. article at uh, Write Down Euclid, which people can yes. subscribe to. Oh, thank you. But yeah, Buddy Buckets could be an option too. I just don't know financially how you can make that work. Just Levert, you could offer Rubio. It, it still works. Maybe Rubio yeah, oh, it works. does. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't the, do the, the math on that. I just. I just know the math is just like. Evan, okay, you that's went to ice school cold. for engineering. You don't do math, like what, bro. What, what's I going on? I have to use a calculator all the time, and I do basic math on the podcast. I say, hey, can you give me like thirty seconds? I have. Um, to you went to this is that Akron education. Can't beat OU in basketball. Can't do math. <laughs> This is payback hey, for If Alex Abreu didn't get busted for like 20 we're, we're pounds of weed, here. 
Nah, Evan, des- Evan deserves it. He knows. He knows. Guys, you guys, do you need? Do you need to? You know, maybe, maybe sit this the rest of this one out. Work it <laughs> out. Some all, couples all, there. All Can I, I? I have a name I want to throw out as a salary matcher. I just want to know if I say this, if it's gonna like. I, I think I know what Evan will say, and I think he'll agree with me. What would you think of Lowry as outgoing salary? Oh. Um, I. 16, think, mi- 16 million ain't nothing to sneeze at, man. You know, yeah, it, it I, mean, I, I, I would hit I, pause on that just because what if that's one of your options to keep the powder dry for the offseason? No, I Unless agree. Jalen Brown to, becomes I, available yeah, and you yeah. can use Lowry Mark and his contract yeah, to kind yeah, of finesse your yeah. way into getting Jalen Brown. And that's the Jetty. Con- I think that's, that's the Jetty contract too. I think just because Jetty's in that weird range. He's a wing you kind of need. I don't think JB totally like trust Jetty. Like I'm curious to see what Jetty looks like post Rubio. And we just haven't seen yet because of freaking COVID. But like, um, yeah, Evans right. Lowry plus Jetty is stackable, and I want to see. I, I, I just, I'm not there yet. Uh, I, I and mm-hmm. I know Lowry is not exactly the most popular guy on Twitter.com right now, going through an absolutely brutal shooting slump. Um, I just kind of want to like, I want to give him a little time, man. Um, I, I do too. I, he's had a weird year. Um, he got COVID uh, right as he was heating up, and then the lineup got all messed up. Lost his point guard, and he's going to be a very point guard defend, dependent player. Guys, I don't know what to tell you. That's just who Laurie Markin is going to be. If you are if you don't got a good guard to get him the ball in the right spots, he's not going to just be a get-you-a-bucket kind of guy, especially at the three. I just want to give him some time, and it feels like looking to move on right now would be the epitome of selling low when a guy's oh, no, having I, kind of a career-worst efficiency season. Yeah. And, like, I, again, I, I want to kind of give him some time to get comfortable before I'm even considering moving on, though. Well, yeah, you and you, I are absolutely in agreement yeah. on that because I think marketing getting COVID is like one of the worst things that could have happened for him and this team just rotation wise. Like obviously you you empathize with him, you don't want him to get COVID, but he was starting to gel just a little bit playing with two other seven footers and he's getting used to playing with Darius Garland. Arguably the first time he's had a true point guard on his roster in his entire NBA career. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just a shame because Lonzo Ball went to Chicago <laughs> right after he left. But at the same time now i absolutely agree you try to gel with him maybe if you view him as a trade asset maybe you don't view him as a long-term piece in cleveland maybe you view him as like because that his contract is attractive like that last year is not fully guaranteed like that is can be an attractive asset to teams as well because they can use that as a trade chip too but I agree with you. You try to maybe maximize his value and then you reevaluate things and say like, okay, well we have Karis Levert. If there is a position to maybe upgrade the wing position, yes, you're going backwards on your fundamental belief that you play big and you play into the strengths of your three, seven footers and you maybe put a more traditional wing at the three. That's fine. You can walk that back in the summer, but yeah, for now I'm not going to be too quick to move on him because I agree. You need a point guard next to Lowry Markman in order to make him function properly because he obviously can't initiate an offense by yeah. himself like an Evan Mobley. I, I've got players. a take. I, I've and got then, a take. We, uh, we, we need to wrap because uh, we're going to do uh, Locked On Cavs after this. So whoever's watching live on YouTube, make sure that you're jumping over there to uh, check out uh, an extended conversation. But what, what I will say is I'm at the point where I don't think I'd want to move any of Garland, Allen, Mobley, Sexton, Okoro, Lori, Love if it doesn't net something that has value beyond this season. Like, I, I think it would need to be kind of a, a a real piece moving forward that has value for, like, at least three years. Ooh. I, mm-hmm. I want to hang on to those guys because I, I think the chemistry right now is really important. Um, I really, really would be scared to move on from either Sexton or, or Okoro because they're just such hardworking players that fit well from a cultural standpoint. They fit on court. You, they... 
they address needs as I blow a tire with my voice. <clears throat> um, but I, I just think those guys matter so much. And, and Kevin Love, obviously, uh, he's kind of the one exception there being older. But I, I really think that there's a value both on and off the court. And I, I, I just maybe I'm getting too sentimental, but I, I really kind of cherish what, what he brings and the connection uh, of two eras and the, the veteran leadership that he provides. You're not too sentimental at all. I'm in the camp that if the he's extension eligible, I think the Cavs should sign him so he remains a Cavalier so, for the rest so of his career. So one thing uh, we mentioned how we're not cap experts. I think you can only on an extension you can only go eight percent below what the current contract is. You oh, can't triple. Mind. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. <laughs> uh, that that reference yeah. went over my head. Dumb and Dumber. Uh, um, you know what? Been a been a long time since I've been seen a that long movie. Time. It's been a unbelievable. Minute. You Carter, guys, you also, Carter, you famously are like there will be blood isn't a good movie. So like, no, I don't know what... that is not what I have said. Okay, you we'll are talk confusing me with someone else because I freaking love there will be blood. <laughs> Didn't you say it's like overact? Never mind. Continue. Okay, here's it's a, here's boring, a... but in the best way. Thing. Okay, we're actually this is why we're friends. If if the, all the Cavs did, let's say, was say. Kenrich Williams, who's like good, but like very cheap and not like a name. He's like going to be a Twitter nerd name. And you send out like one of your end of roster salaries just because you have to for because of the cap situation is weird. Would that be like a satisfying deadline to you? Because to mm-hmm. me, I kind of think it would be just run it yeah. out. We have this year. You're not doing too much crazy, like muck up your future money. You're playing with found money this year anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't like I would be fine. I'd be, with I'd be yeah. fine with okay. that. Like I, I, it, deadline day is always interesting with the Cavs because it, it feels like there's always some sort of a shakeup. But uh, now that there actually seems to be a foundation, you don't go shaking foundations too often. Yeah. So uh, unless you are adding to that foundation in, in a meaningful way, uh, I, I'm not in a, a real rush to shake up this roster and uh, definitely want to hang on to as many of the young guys as possible, because I, I think there's, there's opportunities for this to work moving forward, but you know what? We got a lot more to discuss. If you guys are watching live on YouTube, make sure to go to the locked on Cavs YouTube channel. And, and uh, we will be going live there shortly. If you're listening via podcast, go check out the rest of our conversation on locked on Cavs. Uh, really appreciate Evan and Chris jumping on with us today. Uh, I, I think Kicking off the year with a crossover podcast is a good way to go. If you're looking to support us, subscribe, like, click the notification bell on YouTube, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books if you're listening via podcast. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Caps.